Hour number two. Let's get it. Welcome back to Chad and Zay. See Hastings on vacation. Bucky Gobble in here co-hosting. I am Zay Collier. It's been a fun first hour. Two more to go. A lot more sports talk. I got to get my hours in. You get them, man. Thank you. I mean, you're going to be off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so it's the least you could do. Wow. <laughs> least you uh, could do Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. People calling you Kawhi and stuff. I don't I mean, yeah, you got rings like Kawhi, so you, you, y'all both take off time, See, low y'all, management. I'm old. Y'all don't understand. I'm old. People say, oh, you're not old. Yeah, I am. 68 years old. I'm old. But I'm, you want to be out in the garden in 105 and stuff. Yeah. my, my, my Make my, it make sense. My mental health is very, very important to me. Oh, okay. So those days I, the, those days right. I, and I was at church yesterday, so. Oh, look at you. With my wife, I was at church at Ridge. You know, at service. Look at you praising the Lord. Praising the Lord. I'm very thankful. I'm very, very lucky. Got a good wife, and I got Jesus Christ. Everything is good. And I'm sober. Yeah. That's and beautiful. I'm sober. How many that's, years are you going on? We're going on, when I, when it, well, I was going to say the second week of August, but <laughs> y'all not going to know about it. But you're just in your minds, and thank y'all very much so for so many years of that. Uh, being in my corner, I'll be 22 years sober. Wow, 22 years of sobriety. Congrats, man. Been That's very, very time. fortunate. Been around, been around some good people in my life that have helped me stay sober, and, and a lot of this listening audience has been a part of that. Being sober right along with me, some of you. Now, some of you, as I said, some of y'all have, yeah, but, but there've been a lot of y'all. Some been even... trying to get you to have another drink. Well, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's a damn shame. But, yeah, I'm glad you're 22 years. That's big time, and thank you for helping me again, Buck. But let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe Cantina Hotline. He is the managing editor for Inside Texas. I saw him last week at Big 12 Media Days. He was running around like a madman, and now he is in Nashville, Tennessee for SEC Media Days. Follow him on Twitter on at Joseph Cook. 89. Joe Cook, what's good, man? How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on. Buck, good to talk to you. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has, Joe. It really has. How's Nashville? You know, it is uh, it's a little hazy. I think it seems like it's been hazy all over the country, but uh, it's, it's pretty exciting. Uh, there's obviously a lot of buds around uh, what's coming up this year, which should be an interesting year for the SEC, but also just for the future of the league. And heck, me, me being here, I think, is a little bit of an indication of that. Yeah, Joe, again, you know, with the Horns going to the SEC next year with Oklahoma, and how I've just been looking around Twitter and social media, and they said that Nashville might be the last year they're hosting the SEC Media Days. They might be moving it to Dallas next year. What's the word on that? Yeah, so uh, this is an event that they've kind of moved around in the past few years. It's been in Birmingham. They had it in Atlanta last year. They have it here in Nashville. And Greg Sankey said it will be at that Omni uh, in downtown Dallas next year. So the SEC is going to be heading to the Metroplex right in the middle of downtown. Um, and, And Commissioner Sankey was very specific about saying that that Omni will be lit up with SEC colors, and I can only imagine Reunion Tower is going to have something pretty similar. So uh, they're trying to make their uh, their footprint in Texas and their foothold in Texas a little stronger. And, you know, when you have Texas A&M, Texas, and Oklahoma, those are three big teams in the Metroplex, three big teams, you know, across the country. 
they're going to try to stake their claim and uh, they'll be competing with, uh, usually there's a Mary Kay convention. So you're going to see a lot of black Escalades and pink Cadillacs competing for parking in the Omni. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun and be a good way to welcome Texas and Oklahoma to the league and some t- uh, familiar territory for both schools. Joe, is there a buzz about both these teams coming into the league or is it just business as usual? I mean, in, in day one or in morning number one up there? You know, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, similar to what uh, Big 12 Commissioner Yormark had to deal with. He had to talk about realignment, had Mm -hmm. to talk about uh, gambling, and had to talk about name, image, and likeness. And and most of Commissioner Sankey's first speech uh, was focused on on name, image, and likeness. But, of course, they're they're excited. Uh, They talked about some of the uh, things that will change for the league, you know, eliminating the East and West divisions once Texas and Oklahoma join and uh, then – Making sure that the you know the top two teams are the ones that make it into the championship game. Uh, a little bit about you know expanding playoff, uh, the potential for that, and uh, other things associated with you know just the the ongoing change in the sport. But you know there are there's several Texas media outlets here. There are several Oklahoma media outlets here. Um, as you guys know, I think Jimbo Fisher he speaks today right after Brian Kelly. So there's going to be I would be shocked if Jimbo himself didn't get some questions about Texas joining the league. And I would, if I were Jimbo Fisher, you know, I'd take advantage and say, yeah, bring it on, you know, welcome. Uh, we're about to show you what it's like and uh, be a good opportunity for him. And maybe Ross Bjork, if he's here to try to get some digs in, but uh, there's definitely a little bit of buzz and that's definitely a, a topic at hand for, for the league. And um, maybe not as much, Oxygen was used on it today, as I expected, but it's still something that uh, was was on the minds of a lot of people here, I'd say. Yeah, Joe, I got a 50 spot for you. If you just go out and ask Jimbo, how do you feel about being a little brother again? You know, I... I... (laughs) Oh, man. I'm I'm friends with some of the Tech Tags people and some of the guys who who cover A&M and uh, cover college football. I mean, I would get some dirty looks right away if if somebody did that to me. So maybe maybe I'll find another chance to land a jab at some point. (laughs) Yeah, stay professional, Joe. Joe, appreciate that. How big a year is this for for the University of Texas going into the SEC and how you come into a a brand new conference like that, the most powerful conference, the best conference in college football, The, the importance of this season leaving I mean, not leaving eight and five, but leaving playing in the championship game. I'm I'm still not to the point where I'm saying winning the championship game, but let's let's try to get there. The importance of getting there on a on a high note, not an eight win note, but maybe you know ten wins. Yeah, Bucky, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one on that island. I, you know, it's a it's a weird shaped ball, and it can bounce a lot of different ways. But mm-hmm. if you look at the talent, uh, they definitely you know have to be in Arlington this year playing in that game. Uh, but it, it's a it's of huge importance. And, um, you know, it, it 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 really matters on the recruiting trail. I think any good coach will tell you that's the lifeblood of the program. And if you can go into your first season in the SEC, showing kids not only from the state of Texas but from all over the southeastern footprint and uh, even you know faraway places like California that hey, you come to Texas, you're going to be competing at a high level. Uh, just because, you know, we, we are competing for championships now, we're going to be competing for championships at our next location. You're going to be going against the best competition. That's of huge importance uh, because this is one of those cycles where 
you know, you, you get that first cycle bump and then you get the, the Arch Manning bump. Now you got to have a bump from your play on the field as far as recruiting goes. Uh, and, and if Texas is able to, to end the year with, you know, holding up the conference championship trophy, uh, kind of proving that, you know, them, uh, you know, Oklahoma is kind of proving itself over the past few years more so than Texas has. So if Texas can join that company and show, hey, this is a, it, we're, we are a team that you have to account for um, every week uh, as new members of the SEC. And that'll be huge for the future of the program, and they'll get that SEC bump that I know Texas fans complained about probably a lot in the late 2000s and early teens. But I think we're all kind of realizing there's some validity to it. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a it's a huge year. Um, it's not a uh, it's it's make or break in different ways. I don't think it's make or break in terms of job security, but it's still make or break as far as a lot of. Uh, big future aspirations for the program. You know, is this recruiting this the, the last two or three cycles for, for Sark and what he's been doing? Would you say this is you know because when when people say, well, if they go to the SEC, the kids will come because they want to play in the best conference in in college football. They want that kind those that that kind of uh, visual look all over the country. People get a chance to see them. But is, is this some of this recruiting about kids that actually just want to go to Texas, Joe? I, I'm of the belief that. There are kids that that Sark has now recruited over the last couple of years, you know, into the third year, that they want to be a part of the brand, the brand of Texas football, even though the brand hasn't done crap. I mean, just just because Texas is. Te- do you have any of that feeling that that's what it's all about, or is it mostly about going into the SEC conference? Because for some odd reason, I I think I'm wrong that I was thinking it's it, when people are saying it's going to be about going to the SEC, about the best conference. I said, no, it's about the brand. I thought it was always going to be about Texas. Do you, do you see that as half and half? Can I get a little half and half love on that? <laughs> I was about to say, I think it is half and half. You know, there, there's obviously been some draws, and we've seen, you know, since the end of Mac Brown, during Charlie Strong, during Tom Herman, that there were kids who like going to Texas because it is Texas. Mm-hmm. There is some value to that. There is, there, you know, it's one of the few programs that can say that. I think, you know, it, it just – thinking about programs like Spain, USD, Oklahoma to an extent. There are some programs that you go there just because it's that program. Uh, but that doesn't do everything for some kids. Now, if you're uh, you know, going to the SEC, um, some kids just want to play there. They could be playing for Kentucky, Mississippi State, you know, or South Carolina, or Georgia. You know, they don't mind being third or fourth on the depth chart there, something like that. There's some kids to where just the conference affiliation is important. But I think if you combine the fact that Texas is in a football-crazy state. Uh, it's in a you know growing city, obviously. Uh, you can play in front of 100,000 people. You'll have the best nutrition and uh, support and facilities, all that. All that combined, and I don't think you can ignore NIL opportunities, uh, that gives Texas a really strong recruiting pitch. But that's why, you know, what's went into your first question earlier, is this is a really important year. Uh, because, you know, you can have all those things, but right. if you're not winning games, if you're not, you know, honestly putting kids in the NFL, uh, then some of those uh, recruiting, you know, whispers can just be uh, empty promises and they'll go to places that are a little bit more, you know, able uh, to uh, provide some of those, the ability to win, the ability to, you know, compete at high levels and the ability to maybe make a little money on the side as well. We're speaking with Joe Cook, managing editor of Inside Texas. You know, Joe, something that Sark said last week at Big 12 Media Day stuck with me, and that was when we all know 
Quinn Ewers as QB1, but he talked about there being a serious battle for backup at the quarterback position. And I think we all, you know, after the spring game of what we saw Malik do to what Arch Manning did, and ideally we would like Arch Manning to be redshirted and not have to worry about that and have Malik be the you know comfortable backup. But the way that Sark's making it sound, there's a serious battle going on. How much does that shock you, and where do you think that battle is right now? You know, it doesn't really shock me a lot. Um, I, I think that that was kind of the, the real position in the quarterback room that, that was up, up for grabs. I think even though he waited till the end of spring to make the call, when Ewers did everything he needed to do to be named starting quarterback and to have the opportunity, like Steve Sarkeesian said, to really start to take over, not just his, his room, but to take leadership precedence within the entire locker room. I think uh, entering this backup quarterback battle, Malik Murphy has the head start. Um, uh, he's, he's got experience in the system. He's got a little bit more physical development, although uh, Arch Manning's obviously no slouch himself thanks to that picture Malik posted a couple weeks ago. Mm. Uh, but I think uh, Malik leads right now, and, and I think a little bit of that has to do uh, with some of the rep allocation. I wouldn't go too much into the spring game because you've got to look at who some of the players, Arch and Malik, were playing behind. Malik was with most of the second-team guys. Arch was behind third-stringers, freshman walk-ons, and you saw him running for his life a lot. And That's why you saw a lot of the uh, people who take a critical eye towards Texas, um, and especially Manning after he committed to Texas, getting their fill in on, on taking shots at him. Like, is this your king? And, well, you, you know, usually the better starting quarterback doesn't always have to be behind third string offensive line. So I think that's one to watch. I really do think that Murphy has the advantage entering into this spring, um, just or inter, entering this fall. Manning is really polished, and he's athletic, uh, a little bit more so probably than his uncles at a similar stage. I think some people say, his game reminds slightly more of Archie than, than of any of the of Peyton or Eli. But you have to remember that he was at Isidore Newman last year, and one spring doesn't make you uh, all up to date on the level of athleticism at Texas. And that's not to uh, say that he was playing, you know, little sisters of the poor, but it's any, any college football player, whether it be Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, uh, C.J. Baxter, even at running back, or Kelvin Banks, they have to make an adjustment. Some make it faster than others. Um, and I think, you know, the only way that Arch will be able to really, really give Malik a run for his money, not to say that he won't, but to really contend and maybe be that second string guy at the end of the fall is if his learning curve is far steeper than a lot of people anticipated, even for someone as highly rated as he was. Joe, uh, baseball wise, with uh, I never got a chance to ask you this about Joe, Joe, about David Pierce doing this, uh, kind of risque for him. I mean, because he doesn't have to do this, but I kind of like taking the bull by the horns on this one for him to be the, you know, not only be the head coach, but also to do what he's, you know, know what his specialty is, and that is coaching pitching. And I, and I like that move by him. I think it's risky because it just opens up the door for all kinds of criticism in every way. But, hell, when you're the head guy, you might as well, if you're going to take the criticism, you get the pay. You know, you're still going to get paid, so... You know, I, I like it. I, I like the move. I think that takes a lot of balls by David Pierce to do that because CDC would open up the pocketbook to any anybody that he needed to have come in and be the pitching coach. And when you think you're, I'm the best pitching coach we got, I like that a lot. 
Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I mean, it's one of those situations where think of it like a head coach uh, taking over play calling responsibilities after mm-hmm. he hadn't really done it throughout, uh, you know, maybe a certain tenure. There's obviously some benefits to it. Uh, there, there are no more mixed messages. There are no more, you know, uh, potential areas of uh, miscommunication. Sure. What David Pierce wants is what David Pierce is going to get as the pitching coach. Um, and he's also got some, uh, you know, he's got Chris Gordon, who I don't think is a uniformed assistant coach, but he was a pitching coach at Duke and uh, is really strong in how Texas uses some of its data. Uh, obviously, uh, Philip Miller and Steve Rodriguez are still there, and I believe that uh, the old volunteers, Caleb Longley, has some background in pitching. So um, there's, there's definitely a lot of uh, brains there in the operation, uh, but there is only one executive chef when it comes to pitching. And, uh, of course, you know, getting Tanner Witt back, getting uh, LeBaron Johnson back, huge for next year's team. Um, I'm always kind of, you know, thinking that at a place like Texas, if you can recruit the pitching talent that right. Texas should have, you're always going to lose one starter a year. It's just kind of how it goes. And, you know, Lucas Gordon, I don't think he's signed yet, but he's likely to. And Round Rock's Travis Sycora, who could have competed for a starting rotation spot, I saw he signed today after getting drafted in the early stages. So having those two back and David Pierce being able to work with them again, uh, it's going to be huge. The, the real question about David Pierce and his bullpen, or excuse me, and his pitching development is, is he going to be able to get more out of the bullpen? I know the staff ERA was pretty solid last year, but we could see just, you know, with the eye test that there are some points where the bullpen coughed up a lot of games. You're right. And unlike Major League Baseball, you can't buy a bullpen. You have to develop bullpens from guys who may be in their first or second year and just aren't starter quality guys quite yet. So, um, I'm not really concerned about what Tanner Witt's going to be or what LeBaron Johnson's going to be because I think those guys, uh, even with the injury and even with some of the you know workload, they're going to be okay next year uh, at the minimum. But David Pierce definitely has to develop the bullpen this year, and uh, David Pierce believes he's the man to do it. So it should be fun to track over the course of the fall and Absolutely. Uh, over the winter. That is Joe Cook, managing editor inside Texas. Hey, hey, Joe, you being in Nashville, before we let you go, you being in Nashville and all, and, you know, it's known for its hot chicken and stuff, are you going to get any of that before you come back home? I might. I know Hattie B's not far away, and I know maybe uh, the, the Tumble 22 in Austin's giving me a taste of it. I know it's a little bit of a chain. Uh, and I know Hattie B's is too, but I know Hattie B's is the original, so I'm excited to go probably check it out we're right on broadway so i'll be able to see all the different Ooh. spots around here yeah broadway it's popping down there yeah be careful joe don't go too hot man because that it could get dangerous there it, it could get dangerous so be careful you know you got maybe start off a little slow i don't know your palate but you know for me i just can't go straight to the hottest and you know it's nashville so they're gonna be represented so just be careful my man Get the uncomfortable, but not the unbearable. That's what I'm with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Appreciate you, Joe. You have a good one, and be safe on your way back. Good talking to you, Joe. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. That is Joe Cook, managing editor of Inside Texas. Does a great job for them. And, yeah, Buck, um, 
with Sark's comments about the backup QB, I think a lot of Longhorn fans, that's again what we saw in the spring game with Malik Murphy, are expecting Malik Murphy to be that guy and kind of what we've been hearing with Arch Manning before coming into Texas about the whole family thinking that redshirting might be best for him. It's interesting to hear Sark talk about a legit backup quarterback competition. Well, I want the best guy because – it's very seldom do you make it through a full season of any kind of football with the starting quarterback making it all the, the whole year. So I just want the best guy who's the next, the next best guy to come in. And I know you may want a redshirt guy, but once again, this coach needs to win dim games. So whoever the best guy is, and, and for me, Arch, I mean, he just looked like a young kid playing quarterback that was at a, at a different kind of level of football in Louisiana. Now, yeah, he had all kinds of numbers. He's got all, this, all kinds of size. He's got all kinds of name behind him. But he, he, he looked just like a young player who just came out of high school playing in, in a different speed of, a, speed of the game. That'll pick up. I mean, he's got, you know, he's got this summer. He has going into, you know, going into the fall. But that other dude's been around for a year and a half or two. And he may not be on the field, but he's watching film and he's understanding the speed of the game. He should be that good. I mean, Malik Murphy should be like that. Right, and that that's the thing with him having to sit out with his foot injury. He saw long, a lot of film. He, he watched saw a, a lot, lot of film, film. But you got to be out there, though. You oh, got to yeah. be slinging that rock around. You got to test that foot. You but know? you understand how that guy over there moves, that guy moves, that offensive lineman moves. There's a lot you can learn. Don't I mean, don't underestimate film study, yeah. even though you're a quarterback. Don't underestimate being able to go in there, spend that time, your wood guys, you get to see the movements. Your ass still got to go to practice. Right. You don't get to sit in there and just sit around while those guys – I mean, you're on that practice field watching them. Yeah, there's nothing like the experience of actual playing, but that kid had about a, 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 almost a year of just watching film alone, understanding the game, getting what the speed of the game is. This other kid comes strolling in here in January – it's springtime, and everybody has this expectation, well, he's Arch Manning, he's going to be – no, he's a high school kid. Yeah. That's what he is. I agree. And Malik, he just has this aura about sure. him. Like, you know – Like, he's been, in co- been around college. Been around people. Been sure. around, yeah, college, like professionalism. You know, the locker room's on his side. You could just, you could just tell. He knows who's good. He knows who's a scrub. I mean, he, <laughs> he ain't foolish. I mean, yeah, that's it? what I'm saying. Speaking of scrubs, Arch Manning, Joe made a good point. Like in the spring game, that's who he was playing with. Third string, walk-ons and stuff. So you really didn't you saw him running for his life a lot of the time. We really didn't see him with some of the better players, guys on scholarship in that game. Just give me the best guy. When if, if the first guy goes down, who do you think, Sark? You've been around quarterback. Who's the next best thing you have? Because guess what? You gotta win games. You don't have to win popularity contests. And make people happy and all that. No, you got to win the games. Yeah, completely agree. We are 47 days away from the Rice game at DKR. Can't wait for that. Bucky Gobble in the building. Chad Hastings on vacation. I am Zay Collier. This is Chad and Zay on the horn. Chad and Zay. Welcome back to Chad and Zay. Chad out on vacation for the week. Bucky Gottbolt in the building. I am Zay 
call yours. The Horn 1049 1019 AM 1260. Shout out to Joe Cook. You a Shaka Khan fan, Buck? I was definitely a Shaka Khan fan. Yeah. Yes. Like posters on the wall fan, or just anytime her music came on, you were on the dance floor? And she had way too much hair for me. Wait, what? Yeah, I like to, I, I, I want, you know, in college, I went, you know, with some sisters that had really tight froze, real tight. Right, right, right. I, I mean, the only thing that was wild with me, and I had the Angela Davis poster, Black Panther Party, on my wall in my house. And that thing, that, her hair was everywhere. Hers and, you know, my girl there on the beach. <laughs> my girl on the beach. You know, the one who wrote that song about me, You're So Vain. Probably think this song is about you. That was, that's before my time. You need to elaborate. It's Carly Simon. More. Carly, Carly Simon. Simon yeah. That's right. Hair, hair everywhere. That's right. So what? Shaka Khan was Shaka Khan was special. She was special. She was talented now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When she got going, I couldn't. I didn't know the words. Some of her stuff. I used to just have to make them up. <laughs> but you knew this one though. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Shaka Khan. She's a legend. I don't know about the. Too much hair, though. But that's kind of what made her Shaka Khan, the hair. Long hair. It wasn't. She didn't have a fro. She had long hair. She yeah, had went, hair. Went nappy or nothing. Oh no, no her hair was long. Yeah. Someone on the specs line said, "What about Pam? Who's Pam? Pam Greer? Pam Cummings? Oh, <laughs> Pam Cummings. <laughs> that's right. She had a lot of hair too. <laughs> She's wonderful. I lived with Pam for two years. That was great. That's the roommate, right? That was my roommate, Jimmy and Pam. Yeah, you were on your threes company stuff. <laughs> it was That's so what I'm stupid. talking about. You were on your threes company stuff. That was fun, man. Fuck, I, I, lived in, I lived in a historic building too. That was that was crazy. I mean, we had a wood burning stove. I lived in we lived in rooms upstairs in the attic. I mean, ain't this the seventies? A lot of people have wood burning stove. I don't know. I don't know my history like that. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was that. It was that kind of home. Okay. In historic Bethlehem, PA. So yeah, you had to. It was a wood burning stove, so you're always bringing wood in. House always had wood. You're always stepping on skin splinters in your feet, walking around the place. But it was. It was. It was like a commune at the time. No, it was not like David Koresh. It wasn't down in Waco. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Oh man, it was yeah, fun. Koresh was doing some crazy stuff. Well, we didn't have doors. We had curtains on the doors like you can push the curtain back okay. and walk in or beads or whatever the hell it yeah, was so no privacy none none whatsoever um, none yeah i couldn't deal with that man i need my privacy you need your privacy don't yeah, you yeah just a little bit especially growing up and stuff but my family's a little nosy yeah it was there. cool i mean i and and you know once pam was downstairs and i had to use the bathroom really bad it was one of those places where you just can go out the front door and pee off the porch and who cared i mean you're in the woods but Pam was in the bathroom one time. Hey, drawers down to her ankles, and I had to go. And she was not. She was out, out cold on the toilet. Ugh. Just, I had to pick her up, put she her clothes was, on. Was she always that sloppy. You can talk about it now. It's been like forty years. Wow. Well, yeah. It ain't like she's listening. I mean, I hope she's still alive. She's still alive. She's still alive. Right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Just, yeah, going, she ain't I'll listening. Be, so. I'll be back there in a couple of weeks to my fiftieth. High school reunion. Oh, yeah. Going back to Pennsylvania. Wow. Well, E. Hogan talked me into that. I didn't know what was going to happen in the ins between stuff, but <laughs> I am going back in early August to, uh, to my 50th high school reunion. He said, you know, it, it'd be nice if you saw those people again because the next time you see them, they're probably going to be dead. Oh, and you're, come on. And you're right. Come on. I mean, he was right. 
Those people are healthy, oh, just like you. Oh, Y'all going to make it. People in the steel mills of Pennsylvania, and they've been hitting it hard since they were 12. I mean, Cigarettes and drinking. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Tobacco use. Are you kidding me? Those people hit it hard. That, that don't go away when you grow up that way. They stayed there. Remember, I got out. But, I'm gone. Yeah, you got out. Exactly. But they stayed. But you stopped. But you were, you know, you've had your moments. 22 years you just talked about. Well, yeah. I mean, so believe in your peers that they were doing oh, the same hell things. Hell no, not them. When you live in it, that's where it started with me. It started with potato brandy on a school bus. See, that's now, where it started. See, now I don't think you're going for the right reason at this point. No, no, now I'm, I think you're just going to gloat no. and be like, oh, I'm living way better than you folks out oh, here. Bad knee, bad back, <laughs> needing days off. Oh, but you're still having good. many strokes. You still play golf every week. Yeah, I'm, I'm going back because I want to see people that were that were very important in my life growing up. Very, very important. Treated me really, really well in high school. I had a lot of friends in high school that really, really treated me well. You know, I don't, and I, I, and I don't get back to see them often enough, or I don't say enough thanks to some of those people when, when I had some down days, when people were dropping in bombs on me and stuff. I had uh, people in my yeah. corner. It wasn't. It was. It was not that easy. To be, the, you know, the first black kid to graduate from your high school. Oh, I can only imagine, man. It was, some of it, you know, it was nice to be an athlete, but the everyday stuff, it wasn't that easy. That was, that was not easy. But I had a lot of people in my corner. I had a lot of good, good friends and stuff. But, I mean, I don't, you know, as you go away and then you go off to college, you don't, you don't always get back to see those people. Those people go other places. But now, it'll be nice to see them, as I said, probably for the last time. Right. Actually. Did that help you? At a young age, dealing with all sorts of people to when you got out and, you know, started making your own money and, you know, as a grown, well, it grown was, man. I think it was the, the difficulty of it is when you grow up in, in one situation, like growing up in Greensboro, North Carolina, I grew up during the civil rights movement. Right. Where I couldn't go and, and have a drink in the back where Craigway just came from, the wonderful place, Greensboro, North Carolina. There was, it is now a museum. It's now a civil rights museum where the sit-ins happened. Back in the day when you went back and you tried to sit down and you thought you could have a milkshake like everybody else were. I mean, I had to sit in the upper decks at the movie theater for 25 cents. I had to sit up there. I couldn't sit down. It was whites only. Jeez. So, I mean, I went through that. I'd, I'd have loved to go to that place and had a grilled cheese sandwich with a pickle and, <laughs> and, a, and a soda pop. But, I mean, there were, there were, there were young African-Americans that went to that particular um, pharmacy and got spit on. They had things thrown on them, thrown at them. It's now a it's now a museum, but I had been in that place, but I never went back there to sit and have anything to drink. Yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, and it, so growing up there, and then going um, going to a place like Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where it was it was all white, right. it was all white and Puerto Ricans. That was it, and they might have been might as well have been white. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so I grew up and I grew up in that, and then going off to college, going to a place like Boston. Where you would hear things like, "Oh, you don't want to be in this town. You better oh, yeah. be careful I heard in this the Boston town." Boston stories, man, especially going back to Bill Russell days and stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's man, heavy. life is and then, real and, heavy. And then you just—it it all depends. I mean, life is what you make it, you know. And you can let people change you. I mean, to to be what they want you to be. Uh, uh-uh, I wouldn't have none of that. Yeah. I mean, I got I got to know a little bit of everybody, and I wasn't afraid to. I wasn't afraid to meet people. I wouldn't. I was never afraid to meet people or their parents. Or whatever. My best friend, I used to. I had a table. I had a seat at the table every Sunday, at his house. 
He ended up being he ended up being my best man in my wedding. Wow. I was I, every Sunday I was at his house. They had a seat for me. I knew what we were having for dinner. I knew what time dinner was. I didn't even eat dinner in my house. I ate dinner over at his house. And that's just, a, that's the, I mean, they kind of semi, I kind of got raised over there on Sundays. Yeah. But it was, it was good. I mean, it's, like I said, it's kind of what you make it. You know, you can, you can, it can be tough. You can make it tough too. You know, you don't, but you don't have to give in. I mean, I never gave in. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I was, I, I got a, I had a guy dropping in bomb on me. I fought him to the bitter end. Wow. He dropped an M-bomb, and there was, nothing, there was nothing else to be said. I stepped on his foot. He couldn't move, and I did him like one of those little, you know, bozo punching bags where he'd go down to the ground and <laughs> yeah. come back. And like, oh, and, he deserved all that. Yeah, but, I mean, I had, I mean, I had things said when I was a, a high school basketball player. When I went to certain parts of Pennsylvania, I was, I was it. I was the only black in that gym. Right. And I've had my coach, I had my basketball coach in high school say, would you like to come out of the game? Would you like to get off the court? And I said, nope. Yeah. Nope. I mean, it was from the stands. It wasn't from one person. It was stuff said from the stands as I grew up. But what did I do when football season came around? I destroyed him. <laughs> I made it a point in high school. It's the year I made the Big Thirty Three game. I made it a point to destroy one high school team. Yeah. And the history of their team in a single game. Yeah, that's great. Oh, because yeah. in basketball, I was just—I mean, I was just a scrub basketball player. I was just a little old thing, you know, five foot. Yeah, you weren't no Nate Archibald. No, no. So. But they let me have it, boy. But when football season came around, I never forgot that. Wow. I think I put about six touchdowns on their ass. Oh, damn. No, I, I didn't forget, but it helped me grow up. Right. I mean, it helped, it helped me grow up. It helped me with my life. It helped me with people. And like I said, I wasn't going to let anybody. Nobody was going to define who I was. I just, I'll do that. Well, I salute you, Buck, man. I couldn't even imagine being around during those times and stuff. And shout out to my parents, Annie and Cece. Both of them were the first in their family to ever graduate college. And that gave me a very blessed and very privileged life. And, yeah, I thank them for everything. And I know your kids probably feel the same way about you, Buck. But, yeah, man, that's, that's some heavy stuff. But I'm glad people need to hear that. People definitely need to hear that. Let's get to the Flex ATX segment. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Yeah, the Under the Light Skills Showcase is this Thursday at 5 p.m. at the Round Rock MPC Center. Anthony Williams will be on with us tomorrow to talk about it. Linemen and skills positions only. Flex ATX is also a part of that. So there's going to be defensive back drills where it comes to 40-yard sprint, jugs challenge, gauntlet, obstacle course for linebackers, 40-yard sprints, judge, uh, jugs challenge, gauntlet, back shuffle, back carry, obstacle course, D-line. They got drills for them at running back drills, receiver drills. So any position that you play, quarterback, O-line, they have something for you. Uh, the times, the registration times are for quarterbacks, 5.30 for wide receivers, 6.30 for O-line, 7.30, and for running backs, also 5.30. So go to flexatx.com to check more of that out. Yeah, I asked Coach Williams when we had him on last year. I said, so 
you're gonna have a seven man sled. And I know he was. Like, I don't do that no more. What? <laughs> My running backs hated me. I'm like, where, where are you going over here? When I came to Texas, they're like, so where are we going? I'm like, see that seven man sled over there? Y'all about to go to work? What? Seven man sled. There's a lot that you can't do no more that y'all used to every do back day. in the day. Oklahoma seven man drill, all that crazy Yeah, seven-man sled was every day. That was for you driving, you know, driving and finishing runs, stiff arm, slapping that seven times, going that way with your left hand, come back with your right hand, pushing that head away, pushing that head down, and throwing that shoulder in there, throwing in there and throwing that leg up in there. I mean, it, my guy said Howard Griffith was like, Loved the seven man. That's what I'm saying. Did you have anybody that used to embrace it? He embraced it. Guys who loved that thing ended up being pretty good players. Howard Griffith loved it. Priest Holmes loved it. Ricky used to go like, "Man, what is this for?" Ricky was one of those. What are you talking about? But when it came to get down and pass protect, he was ready to go. Ricky Williams. Priest Holmes was real ready for it. Yeah, I mean, he could throw it back at you, and so could Howard Griffith. You know, with his two Super Bowl rings, blocking as a fullback for Terrell Davis. Yeah. Although Howard did, Howard wanted he wanted some touchdowns though because he was used to scoring touchdowns. He didn't want to be a fullback; he wanted to be a halfback. Yeah, Shanahan ever give him the ball? He did. I think he scored. I think he scored in a in a a couple playoff games. Okay, yeah, because he used to get the ball to the fullback a lot back then. Yeah, I mean, but he was he was basically he was he was basically the bone on bone with the linebacker guy. Yeah, Yeah. but he could run. I mean, that's a dude that scored five touchdowns in one game. That's right. That's right. Record still. Tied right now. That was a record that Jim Brown it's, held. Really? For a long, long time. Howard Griffith, yeah. Wow. Yeah, Howard could go. Howard could go. But we'll be back. This is Chad and Zay. Bucky Gobble, appreciate you for filling in. Chad is out for the week. I am Zay Collier. This is The Horn. Chad and Zay. Coming in with some Botops. That was my group right there. That was your group? That was my group almost before the Temptations. Wow. I like the Port Tops even better than I did the Temptations. Where are they from? Remember? I'm going to say they were from Detroit. Detroit area. <laughs> That's what I would just assume just because everybody was from yeah. Detroit area back then. But that I is... was a big Smokey Robinson fan too. Oh, Smokey was so smooth. We play a lot of Smokey on here. That is Bucky Gobble that you hear. I am Zay Collier. This is Chad and Zay. See Hastings out of town for the week. So we're holding it down. A lot of fun sports talk and some good deep sports talk. That's what we need. See, Chad, don't be bringing that wisdom that you got. Because you know I'm, I'm old, man. I'm old. I've That's been, true. I do, I've been through the wisdom cage. Yeah, his wisdom's a little bit different. But, you a know, little we, bit. Yeah, we need that midday every once in a while. Like, I, I appreciate that, what you bring. You can get day. some real old stuff. You get me and Monty together. You know that. <laughs> that stuff goes way back. I should have thought We go all the way that. back to the little rascals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, way back. Way back to Petey and the whole game. Yeah, Monty, he on what? Another knee surgery, and I think he's replaced the hip and stuff. Yeah, some serious. No, see, I haven't done the hip thing. No, I have not done the hip thing yet. Okay, that's the one thing that I just hope that never happened to me because I, I mean, I was hearing about people breaking their hips when I was in my twenties. Like, how the hell do you break a hip? Yeah, man. You know, and now I'm starting to understand. But that's why I've gone to, you know, I have that created that fall school for people like Tua and others. That if they just come there, I show you how to fall. Yo, Tua should be good because again, he has the fall score with you. That's right. So you got him right, and they got that new concussion helmet that's supposed to help out. We got another helmet in the NFL coming out. Yeah, coming out the 
help Is it just guys. for quarterbacks? Is it just um, for Tua? I mean, probably people like Tua need it more than others, yeah. but I'm sure if the whole NFL knew it was beneficial, why not everybody get it, if, especially if it doesn't slow you down? Well, if it doesn't, I mean, if it doesn't do anything, does it, if it doesn't create problems for your neck, right. you know, a heavier, heavier piece of material on the top of that dome. And Tua's got a little pea head, too. He's not like he got a big old uh, dome. Yeah, he's a smaller guy. He don't have a head like Hogan. I mean, he don't have one of those Damn, monsters. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, like just that. shot at your partner. Wow, he ain't even here to defend himself. Yo, he well, don't he got no big head, man. Yeah, he I worked with y'all for two years. He don't got no big. I've seen You ever seen him try to put a cap on that thing? I haven't seen Ian many caps. I'm not going to front. You know, those, you know them those crates you used to put the albums in? You had to put a bill, a little bill on that. That's what he had to put on his head. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't like. He doesn't wear many hats. You don't wear many hats. Uh, he looks no. like a knockoff Kurt Russell, and that's not a knock on him. Like Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell's handsome. Yeah, very handsome dude. Has a had a great career in Hollywood. So yeah, that's a good doppelganger to have. But yeah, see, I can do that with hats because I can wear hats because I got a, I got a long skinny head. You can put this put anything on it. You can put a cowboy hat on it. You can put it. Astronaut hat. You can do anything yeah, with this I've seen hat. you in different hats. And yeah. Yeah, you I've do look comfortable. Man. I can't knock it. I can't knock it. Plus, I'm bald as hell. Yeah, but you chose that. Don't you shave or what was well, the hell I'm I sh- Yeah, I shave it. it. It got to a point where I started to have that George Jefferson look. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wheezy. When I started looking like Bozo. Wheezy. And I, the wings started coming out the side. I, that's when I just said, <laughs> you know, enough is enough. I cannot do it. When I started looking like George Jefferson, that's when I said, that's it. Gone. Started doing with the razor. Now I just do it with a razor. Right. Straight up razor. I'm holding on to what I got. I know it's coming because I've seen pictures of CeCe in college. And that hairline, it was looking very cool. A lot of it goes on to your mom's side. Does she have- See, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know how black folks say they got Indian in their family. Apparently we do. So hopefully. Oh, yeah. My yellow ass granddad was. <laughs> yellow was- ass granddad. Oh, man. Bald, dude. <laughs> hey, man. We got a call, man. Should we take it? Chad ain't here. Oh, yeah. We take it, see he's what not happens. here. He's not here. We take he's calls. He's not here. We're taking calls. Nice. All right. Coming to the Vicaros Cafe and Cantina hotline. I don't know. Please don't cuss and get us kicked off air. Yo, who are we speaking with? This Tom. Hey, Tom. Tom. Tom McKay? The Tom McKay. Yeah. He ain't hey, bald. what's up, Tom? How you doing, man? AV Consultations. I was, just, I was just laughing so hard because I heard Bucky say he was starting to get the George Jefferson look. <laughs> and I, I was I was thinking that came like fifteen years ago and he's now up to that point where like he could barely say wheezy anymore. Oh my God, Tom. <laughs> no, I've been I've been, I've shaved this head now. It's been way past fifteen years. I'm yeah, I started shaving my head when I was over at the other station that sent me out with in my with my flip flops on. Damn. That's cold blooded. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, I was already bald then, I so. Did. No, I, I, I don't. I just had to call in and say hello because, you know, two of the favorites in one show. That's a rarity these days. That it is, my friend. It is, It's Tom. always good to hear you, man. Absolutely. We appreciate you, man. You guys have fun. All right, buddy. Bye. Tom McKay, V Consultations. Yeah, man. Uh, hey, he came just to clown on you being George Jefferson. Did you, did you have the dance? You know George had the dance. You know, I had the moves all that stuff. stuff with Wheezy. Yeah, I, it was, it was, I mean, remember, I saw all that stuff. I saw Good Times. I was, Sanford I was, Son. Sanford Son. All those classics. What's happening? 
Rowan and Martin. I mean, I'm that old. It goes back to Rowan, Sammy Davis Jr., here come the judge. I mean, I'm Damn. I'm old. Yeah, when you start saying stuff I don't know, that's how I know it's old. <laughs> All right, let's get it. Where are we at in society? Where are we at in society today? All right, Buck, listen to this because you've lived in the Midwest, so you might know what this guy is talking about. Hunter Dickerson, he is a former Michigan big man, now transferred to Kansas, and he's really been bashing Michigan. Like, you know, I get it. When you transfer, you think the grass is always greener on Mm -hmm. the other side, and Michigan's a football school, Kansas is a basketball school, so you're going to get different love. And Hunter, you got to be more objective than that. But yeah, Buck, he's been bashing Michigan, talking about their NIL isn't up to par, and it damn sure isn't going to be what it is at Kansas. Again, Michigan's a football school. They're going to pay attention to those football players first. Basketball comes second. Now that he's at Kansas, he he doesn't have those problems, so he's seeing everything in a different light. But he just said in a recent presser interview that people in Kansas are much nicer than people in Michigan. He said and quoted, I feel like Michigan is the fake Midwest. Again, you lived in Illinois. What's the Midwest like? Like how are people, you know, we know there's Southern hospitality down here, but, and you've always told me that you've had your problems growing up in the Midwest, but that was Uh, a different time and those were different problems. Well, yeah, is Hunter Dickerson talking crazy here? Yeah, I I mean, Pennsylvania is not the, I mean, that's the East to me. That's East Coast. Pennsylvania's East. To me, the Midwest is different. It's, Midwest is, I mean, it's the heartland of America. It's all right. Like I said, you just make it what you want you want to make it. Right. You know, I was coaching. Everything was always good when you're a coach. Yeah. If you're winning, it's good. <laughs> if you suck, it's bad. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah. I mean, it's just I mean, that's just the way it is. I I've I've lived a sheltered life when it comes to that part of it. Coaching is is winning is good. But you losing have- is bad. I but you had to live at a place. I mean, you lived there. I mean I mean, I was fortunate enough I'm I'm glad I was in the Midwest because I got a chance to meet Augie Garrido and be around coach. You know, and and that was that was one of the wonderful things, and then and being around guys like Howard Griffin, they're being involved with a guy like Jeff George, yeah, seeing a a great quarterback who could have been a even better quarterback, just kind of let it go to go to waste and stuff. I mean, Midwest is fine. Okay, I mean I like I mean I like the area of Chicago, but you're talking about the little cities. Yeah, little, that, that the hamlets. Be, yeah, just like around oh, here, the little cities in Texas. Gotta yeah, man, be careful. Just, Head just, on a swivel. Just got to make it. You got to make it what you want it to be. I mean, I, I didn't. I, I never walked around any place having a scary time. You know, I like. Oh, I'm scared. I shouldn't. You know, when I first got to Boston, I was a little scared because I used to work in South Boston. Southie? I worked in South with Boston. with the mobsters. No, not no with the. <laughs> Where the people didn't get along with those those people didn't uh, get along with those people yeah. and those people didn't get along with those people. Yeah. I worked there in the summertime. I had a summer job of breaking down when there'd be weddings and the big round tables and stuff. I had to go over there. I was leaving that place when it was dark. Yeah. Oh uh, no. I head on a swivel. Head was always on a swivel. My head's always on a swivel. You look in your car under your car? I always look. I always look <laughs> under my car. I'm always looking under my bed for Madonna. I'm always my head is always on a swivel. I don't want to see that. At night, up underneath my bed, I just my head is always. I mean, I'm always aware of my surroundings. And that's good. You should be because the world's crazy right now. So I get it. I get it. I mean, I, you're you're if if you let your guard down at any time, no matter where you are, then you're stupid. Yeah. yeah. They say this isn't the time to be relaxed where you are. 
People are crazy. People do crazy things. Yeah, and that's a shame, man. I want to go back to the times where folks just left their When I used, to hitchhike, when I used yeah, to, like, hitchhike. hitchhike. Yeah, exactly. Like Bill Walton used to do it. You know, families used to leave their door unlocked. And you could just walk up into your neighbor's house and, hey, I'm getting some sugar. See you later. And like, okay, Ronald, see you well, later. Well, that was Pennsylvania for me. When I, where I, where I told you I'd go on Sundays, if I was going over to that house, over to the Sire's house, you know what I did? I rang the doorbell and walked in the house. And I never knew. Mom and dad could have been just slamming it, right? Bang, bang, bang. (laughs) But I would ring the doorbell. I walked in the house. I never had to wait for somebody to come to the door. I mean, I mean, and those were the, those were the days. I mean, you can't go. The days you can't walk up in somebody's house. Oh, you get shot. (laughs) You get shot when they not as a neighbor, not as a neighbor or anything else, but as a kid, you should just walk into to friend's house, ring the doorbell, and come in. Yeah. Them days are over, and Hunter Dickerson, I can't wait till that Texas-Kansas matchup because Texas has some serious big men with Dylan Mitchell coming back, Caden Shedrick, the Virginia transfer, and Dylan DeSue, who was looking like the best big man in the league before he got injured in March Madness in that Sweet 16 game. Definitely ready for basketball season, but 47 days away till Football season at DKR versus Rice. Our number two is a wrap. Our number three coming up. Buck and I are going to talk about what Dak Prescott said, and we're going to discuss Bucky's Minnesota Vikings because they've been in the headlines for different reasons. Bucky Gobble in the house. I am Zay Collier. Chad is out for the week. This is Chad and Zay on the horn.